Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Guiding Truth series, which is based out of 1 Timothy. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God impacted you through these messages. So this morning, we're going to get into his word today. First Timothy 3, we're getting back, of course, uh, every week into our series, Guiding Truths. And um, we're studying out something that I believe if we come to it, and you're going to see it in a moment, uh, that it's going to be a great help to us as we celebrate eight years. And I think this is a great passage for us to be upon uh, this morning. Of course, this letter from Paul to Timothy, who was pastoring the church at Ephesus. And we'll hear more about that in just a second. But as we get started today, uh, I, I just want to ask you, can you remember a time in your life when somebody said this phrase, I'll be there soon? But it took a little longer uh, than they had planned or than you had planned. I'm not going to mention the time that my dad told me that he would pick me up from school. (laughs) At 3.30, hey, I'll be there at 3.30. At 3.45, the school secretary comes out and says, your dad said he'll be here soon. At 6 o'clock when they were locking the school... (laughs) All right, it was probably 5.50... I don't know. You know what? There's times in our life when someone says, I'll be there soon, and they take a little bit longer. And you know what? There's, there's times when you've said that to somebody. I'll, I'll be there soon. And, but you know what I want to look at for just a moment is, have you ever had a time when maybe your parents called or maybe uh, a coworker or a teacher or, uh, I don't know, somebody uh, like a spouse calls and maybe it'd be a conversation like my wife and I where Hannah will call and she'll say, honey, I'm, I'll be home soon, but before I get home, I need you to, you ever had that happen? Maybe the conversation would be this, Hello? Hey, babe. And my wife would say, hey, um, I'm coming home in a little bit. I'll be there soon. But I need you to go ahead, if you would, to turn the oven on. Put it on preheat so the oven's warmed up. Okay, yeah, I can do that, babe. Do you need anything else done? Well, I plan on being there about 15 minutes. But if you could go ahead and change the laundry and pull the pizza out of the fridge, that'd be a huge help. Sure, babe, I can get that done. About 14 minutes goes by. I hear a car door and it dawns on me. I wonder if an oven can heat up in 37 seconds. <laughs> Listen, you've been there. When someone calls, they say, hey, I'm going to come to you, but it might take a little bit of time. When you come to the middle of 1 Timothy, which is the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, we find Paul actually writing to Timothy, I'm going to come to you, but it may take a little bit. However, in the meantime, Timothy, know I'm coming, and here's some things that you need to do. I'll be there soon, but here's some tasks that you need to accomplish. As you come to our passage this morning, I want you to notice what Paul writes to Timothy. And so stand, if you would, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and let's look at this, 1 Timothy 3, and just understand what Paul wrote. 1 Timothy 3, beginning in verse number 14, here's what we read. 
read these things, again, Paul to Timothy, these things write I unto you, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there, but if I tarry long, if this takes longer than I'm planning, I'm writing that thou mayest know how to behave, thy, how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And without controversy, 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Chapter 4 and verse number 1, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which believe and know the truth. Verse five, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, this is verse six, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe, verse 11, these things command and teach. Hey, Timothy, I'm coming to you, but if it takes longer for me to get there than I'm planning, there's a few things I want to remind you of. There's a few things I want to encourage you in. And as you and I come to this chapter, really we're going to find that Paul, he challenges Timothy with three specific things. Number one, he challenges Timothy. Timothy, remember who you are and what the church is. Number two, Timothy, remember to stand for truth. And number three, Timothy, remember to continue on. As we come celebrating our church's eighth anniversary, I believe these challenges are great for us. Hey, Moses Lake Baptist Church, remember who you are and remember what his church is. Number two, remember to stand for truth. And number three, remember to continue on. And while we're not waiting for Paul to come, we're waiting for someone greater to come. And the Lord has said to his people, I'm coming for you. But if it takes longer than you think, here's some things for you to do while I'm away. And I believe the challenge Paul gave to Timothy is a great challenge for us this morning. And so let's pray and then receive that challenge. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, why don't you take a moment and just ask God to speak to you you can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to my heart today. Dear God, please speak to my heart. And then make a commitment that as God speaks to you, that you're listening and that you'll respond.
Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how good you are in our lives. And Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for just uh, being able to celebrate eight years. And thank you, Lord, just uh, for everything, every soul that's been saved, every decision been made, every person that's followed you in baptism, every uh, marriage that has been helped, every teenager and child that has been encouraged, and every uh, adult that's been strengthened. Lord, we just praise you for all the work that you do, and we want to lift you up today. And then, Lord, we pray that we, we would uh, be able to commit this time to you and that you would challenge us through the preaching and teaching of your word in these next few moments together. And Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Of course, our series, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, this would be a church that Paul established uh, there in Acts chapter 17, 18, and 19 would be the time, mainly Acts 19 is when Paul would be there in Ephesus. And of course, Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, became a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ and would start this church as well as many others and then leave behind a young preacher boy by the name of Timothy. This town of Ephesus, we're not going to get into all the details of it, but it would have been a very sinful town. It would have been a, a very sensual town, if you would, because of the worship of the goddess of Diana. And uh, Diana was one that or Artemis would be another name, but Diana was one that uh, everything uh, associated with Diana was, she was the goddess of sensuality, basically, is what she was, and because of that, much of uh, that influence would uh, uh, seep into the town, and that would eventually work its way into the church, and there were a lot of people uh, who were saved and a lot of wicked things, and Paul even writes in the book of Ephesians, hey, you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, hey, there was a lot in your life that was wicked, but God changed you. And so here you have Paul writing to these believers and the purpose he's writing to them, and we need to understand this and not miss it, is because here you have a godless culture, a group, a community that was just seemingly without God on all levels, politically, religiously, economically, everything, this, uh, this area of Ephesus would have been without God. And yet in the midst of that, you had a group of people that said, we want God involved. We want God to be a part of this thing. I was eating dinner with some folks here recently, and they said, you know, it's just crazy how things are just getting worse and worse and worse. And then and I begin to talk, you know, we're ministering in a different day. But can I just tell you something? The problems that we're facing now are not new. It is a godless culture now, just like it was 2,000 years ago when Paul was ministering. And so if Paul writes some great truths, some guiding truths to help these believers in Ephesus, we need to know that Paul, Paul's truths transcend time to now. And so these guiding truths, this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy to help Timothy uh, know and help this church at Ephesus know how you can live for God, even in the godless culture. And so we've been going through a number of things. But this morning, as we come to this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we find Paul using that phrase, uh, I'm going to be there soon. Hey, I'll be there soon. But in the meantime, I want to give you three things to be thinking about, three things to help you in your godly living in the culture in which you are in. And so I want to take these, this message this morning and these thoughts this morning. I want them to be applied to Moses Lake Baptist Church. Hey, here we are trying to live for God in a godless culture. We're waiting for the Lord to return. He is coming soon. Amen. That wasn't good. 
He is coming soon. I hope you believe that. Man, the Lord is coming back. It'd be great if it was today, but it might not be. And so if it's not, we need to be challenged with some things. So what did Paul challenge these believers with and what can we be challenged with this morning? I see, first of all, that Paul gives them what we're calling a worthy reminder. A worthy reminder. This is verse number 15 or verse number 14, 15, and 16. We won't read it, but in these verses, we see a reminder, Paul reminding Timothy about uh, how he should behave in the house of God and how he should behave in the church. But I see also in this few verses right here, I see Paul reminding Timothy and these believers about the purpose and the identity of the church. Now, when we use the phrase church or the the word church, we need to remember a couple of things. Nowadays, when we say church, we think of the building. That's what we think of. And that's fine. I mean, this, this is the church building. This is the building where the church meets. But the building is not the church. The church are the people. The people that have been saved and uh, scripturally baptized and have joined themselves together for the purpose of seeing more people saved and more people baptized. That's a local New Testament church. The Greek word for it is ekklesia or a called out assembly. We'll see that again in just a moment. And so as Paul writes to Timothy reminding them about the purpose of the church, we need to know that Paul is referring to the purpose of the believers, the purpose of the believers. I want you to see that Paul says this. Hey, I want to remind you of this, that you are the house of God. You're the house of God. This is what he says. I want to, rem- I want to teach you how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about the church house. That's what he's talking about. He's actually talking about the building here, how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. Well, why would, Paul be, why would Paul be concerned how a person knows how to behave themselves in the house of God? Well, because the house of God is like the temple of the Old Testament. It's supposed to represent God to the people. In our community, when we say Moses Lake Baptist Church, you know what people think of? The building. That's what they think of. And so Paul is writing and saying, hey, you need to know how to think about and how to approach the house of God. Okay, but let me help you out. This can also be applied to the church, the gathering of believers. You say it can? Yeah. Because the Bible tells us in the New Testament that just as the temple was the dwelling place of God, do you know where God dwells now? In anybody that knows him as Savior. Here's what Paul wrote to the uh, church at Corinth. He said this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple or the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Uh, this is Paul writing and saying, Hey, listen, the church is the people. It's, the, it's not just the building. And yes, the building is seen as the house of God, the dwelling place of God. But you, you believer, you are the house of God. I want to remind you of your identity. I want to remind Remind you of what you are. You are God's dwelling place. And then he continues. What's the next thing he says? Hey, you are the church of Paul the Apostle. Is that what it says? No. It says you are the church of the living God. 
You are the ecclesia. You are the called out assembly of the living God. This is not one man's doing. No, this is something that God has done. And the, the, again, that word ecclesia, assembly, it was one that uh, would refer to the assemblies that would meet. Uh, um, uh, political assemblies, and they would meet, and you know who had say in those political assemblies? Only the people who were supposed to be there. And that's where the word ecclesia comes from. It's used over 100 times in the New Testament to refer to a group of local believers that have gathered together with the same identity, with the same purpose, with the same calling to represent God. It's a group understanding we belong to the living God. Can I just remind you this morning that the church, uh, this church, Moses Lake Baptist Church, is not about one person. I praise God for allowing me to pastor eight years, but this church is not about Dennis Fountain. It is not about Hannah Fountain. It is not about my children. It is not about uh, Fountain Senior. It's not about uh, Daniel Blim. It's not about Danny. It's not about uh, Glenn. It's, it's not about the staff. It's not about uh, anybody in here. No, this is the church of the living God. It is the dwelling place of the living God. And this is what Paul, he's reminding him. Hey, say, I want to remind you of your identity. Uh, Timothy, church at Ephesus, you don't belong to you. You're indwelt by God. You belong to the living God. Now, let me remind you of your purpose. You're the pillar and the ground of truth. The word pillar would be an architectural phrase. If you were to go, and I should have thrown the picture up, but the temple of Diana was said to have had 127 pillars holding it up, and 127 pillars, each of them, many of them representing maybe something different. So the pillar is something that, and often the pillar would hold up an idol or hold on it. And so the pillars were known for holding the message up. When it says you are the pillar and the ground of truth, the word ground, um, we might use the word bulwark from that or the word stay or the word support. He says, hey, you are the pillar of truth. You hold up the truth, and you are the ground. You are the support of truth. You are the, uh, the, the, the foundation of truth. We understand the church was built upon Jesus. I'll talk about that tonight. But we need to look and realize that the church, the believer, is the one that stands up and says, I have truth, Amen. not because of me but because I am the dwelling place of the living God. And here is God's truth. That's what Paul's saying. I want to remind you of your identity. All right? You are the dwelling place of God. You are uh, the dwelling place of the living God. But you're the pillar and you're the ground of truth. Well, what's the truth that we're holding up? Verse 16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Here's the truth. God was manifest in the flesh. His name was Jesus. Justified in the spirit. The spirit backed up the message. Seen of angels and preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up into glory. Hey, here's your identity. You're the dwelling place of the living God. Here's your purpose. You're the pillar and the ground of truth. Oh, by the way, here's the truth I'm talking about. Jesus. Here's the truth I'm talking about. God's son was sent to save. 
Now, I'm going a little quicker this morning just because of time's sake, but can I just uh, help you understand that this is a worthy reminder from Paul to Timothy saying, hey, Timothy, church at Ephesus, listen, this church, it, it does not belong to you. No, it is his light to the world. And can I just help you and help us as Moses Lake Baptist Church be reminded that we are his dwelling place. You are God's representative to a lost and a dying world. And you are not just any God's representative. No, you are the living God's representative. We don't don't represent Muhammad and we don't represent Joseph Smith and we don't represent Buddha and we don't represent uh, Shintoism. We don't represent anything out there. You know, you want to know who we represent? The living, eternal, holy, righteous, wonderful, amazing God. That's who we represent. And I just want to help you understand and help me understand something this morning that if you and I are going to represent him well, then we need to remember that we are the pillar, the one who holds it up and the foundation of truth. If nobody's going to stand for truth, then what truth's going to do? It's going to fall. And Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number 14 says, hey, truth is just seeping out into the streets. It is not nowhere to be found. Why? Because my people are no longer standing for truth. The pillars have crumbled under the pressure of society. The pillars have fallen under the weight of this world. No, my friend, when we look at 1 Timothy, Paul writes and he says, I want to encourage you with something. It is a worthy reminder. You belong to the living God and you represent him, so do it. Do it. Represent him. A pillar, it holds something up for all to see. Hey, let your life be identified as a Christian. Let your life be something that holds up Jesus for all the world to see. Well, pastor, what are they going to say? Who cares what they say? It is the living God. It's not you. It's not me. No, this is not about one person. It's about the living God. We're holding up his truth, and because we're the pillar and ground of truth, we should publish this. And I, I believe this is needed for us today. And here's why it's needed for us, because so often we can begin, listen, don't miss this. If you've been in the church for eight years or two years or one week, we can get this opinion, well, it's my church. Well, uh, it's my class. It's my nursery. This is my music. This is my ministry. Paul says, no, you are the dwelling place of the living God. It belongs to him. It is not your truth. It is his truth. And you're the pillar and ground of it. So publish it. Don't, don't object to it. Don't be one that wanders around. Just remember that you belong to him. You were purchased to him. Acts 20, 28, Paul said this to the leaders of Ephesus. Hey, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Take heed to feed the church which he hath purchased with his own blood. Man, you were purchased, you're purchased with purpose. Can I tell you, Moses Lake Baptist, we're here to celebrate eight years, but don't lose sight. We belong to him to accomplish his purpose. It's about lifting up Jesus. Lift him high, all praise to Jesus. Lift him high, all praise to him. We lift you high. We magnify. We glorify Micah's name. No. We glorify his name. It's your name. It's his Paul gives them this worthy reminder, but notice secondly that Paul, we find Paul warning them about a wavering people, a wavering people. Look at chapter four and verse number one. Paul says this, he says, now the spirit speaketh expressly 
Hey, I've got something for you directly from God, Timothy, that in the latter times, some people shall depart from faith, from the faith giving heeds to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and uh, forbidding to uh, eat certain meats. And here's what Paul is saying in verse one down through verse number five. Paul says this, hey, Ephesus, hey, church at Timothy, you need to know that the devil is going to attack you and some are going to depart from what they know to be true. Can I tell you that Paul in this passage, he's not talking about a lost person. He's saying, hey, there are people among you that the devil's going to attack their life and in a few years, they're not gonna be found. I wanna tell you about a wavering people. I wanna tell you about a people that's kind of an up and down type of people. So Paul's writing. And here in our passage, he writes about them departing in some specific ways. He says they're gonna give heed to seducing spirits. That phrase, give heed to seducing spirits, it means to listen to outside voices, to allow themselves to be enticed away from the truth of God's word from the, by the lies of outside voices and the lies of the devil and the influences of the devil. Giving heed to doctrines of devils. This means to follow idolatrous ways. Giving heeds to idolatrous worship or to uh, demon worship. The doctrines of devils means idol worship. These would be doctrines that teach the worship of uh, saints and angels kind of as a middle divine, a diviner between you and God. And so there's going to come some that they're going to listen to outside voices and there's going to become some that they're going to follow idolatrous ways. What else are they going to do? They're going to speak lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. What does that mean? They're going to live hypocritical lives. There's going to be some among you that they profess honor with their lips, but dishonor with their life. There's going to be some in your midst that they say one thing and do an absolute other. Isn't that the excuse of most people for not going to church? Well, I don't go to church. Well, why? Bunch of hypocrites there. I love my dad's response to that growing up. He'd say, where do you do your grocery shopping? There in Greeley, Colorado, was Albertsons. How many know what an Albertsons is? Albertsons has some of the best chicken. <laughs> love it. I don't know why I'm thinking about that. How many smell the pork? You could smell it when you walked in this morning. That's for tonight's banquet. That's to make you want to come back and to keep you awake during this message. <laughs> they would say, I don't go to church. There's hypocrites there. Well, where do you do your grocery shopping? Albertsons. Uh, you know, I've known a few hypocrites at Albertsons. Do you still go, do you still go grocery shopping? What was he saying? There's hypocrites everywhere. But here's what Paul's saying. It's going to be in the church. There's going to be people, they speak lies in hypocrisy. He's saying, hey, there's going to be false teachers. They come, they preach one thing, and they practice another. They're going to be Pharisees. And while anyone can be guilty of this, anyone can be guilty of affirming something with their lips but denying it with their lives, here's what Paul is saying. Hey, this is going to happen in the last days. There are going to be saved people that live hypocritical lives. What else is going to happen? Well, verse 3 through verse 5, it's talking about adding to Scripture. There's going to be some, they come, and they're going to say, oh, you're getting married? Well, God forbid. God is against marriage. And they're gonna say that. They're gonna say, you eat what? Uh, I'm sorry, God is against you eating that. 
That's what verse three through five teaches. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. Hey, in the last days, there's gonna become some, they're gonna take away from the scripture and they're going to add to the scripture. They're gonna twist the scripture and make it do what they want it to do. And isn't that the truth that we're seeing in so many churches today? You're going to get up and someone's going to say, I want you to open your Bible to this book and chapter and open up, read it once and depart from the text forever. (laughs) I've been in service. I've been at preacher's meetings where guys will get up and they'll read a verse. And at the end of the message, I'm like, what in the world did he say? And that wasn't in that verse. (laughs) It wasn't there. What is that? That's people coming and taking the Bible and making it say what they want it to say. Man, if you're in our Bible study on uh, Saturday mornings, the uh, men's breakfast, Micah did a little lesson on that. Exegetical and uh, eisegesis and exegesis, right? Exegesis is me understanding scripture in context. Eisegesis is me making the scripture say what I want it to say. You know what Paul said? That's gonna happen. Well, what's he doing? He's telling you, he's forewarning you, hey, there's gonna be wavering people. There's going to be a wavering people among you that you need to understand that you have a, this worthy reminder that you belong to God, that you are the dwelling place of the living God. Hold up the pillar and ground of truth. But can I tell you something? There are going to be some that don't do that. There's going to be some that they depart from it. These false teachers, they're not going to try to add to Jesus or grow people towards Jesus. No, instead, they're going to grow people to themselves in a a deeper way. And Paul says, hey, you need to be on guard on this. Why? Because it's going to happen. There are going to be saved people who waver, who do not continue with you. And Paul taught a lot about this. Ephesians 4.11, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Hey, there's going to be some doctrines and some uh, slate of men, some cunning craftiness that's going to come along and try to steal you away from what you know to be true. And we need to just remember this morning what Paul said to Col- the church of Colossae in uh, Colossians 2.8. He says, beware. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. The church at Ephesus was going through something like the church at Colossae was. It was called the uh, belief of asceticism. Asceticism. Well, what is that? That's if I sacrifice things, and they made the word say what things you should sacrifice. If you sacrifice things, then you could be closer to God. The more you give up, the closer you are to God. That's what asceticism is. But here's what Paul is saying. That's not true. They're just adding to scripture. And you need to be, you need to be warned about this. Be warned about a wavering people. Paul already said this to the church at Ephesus and to Timothy. He said, hey, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned from which, um, for, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside to vain jangling, to empty talk, to empty worship. And this is what we're seeing. And we hear this often, but we need to be reminded today uh, to 
be cautious about the voices that we allow into our lives. I'm preaching a series in a few months on the on the uh, the life of Esther, and the very first message is about King Ahasuerus and and how he allowed different voices to speak into his life to influence his decisions. And you and I need to understand that the voices that we allow into our lives will direct the decisions we make, and the decisions we make will direct the direction that we go. And so you and I, we need to be aware of the attacks of the devil. Here we are celebrating eight years. Here we are saying... Man, praise God for eight years. Praise God for what he's done. Praise God. We look back on all these blessings, and tonight we're going to talk about moving forward by faith. Praise the Lord for all that, but here's what we need to be reminded. Hey, we are the dwelling place of the living God with the purpose of declaring forth his truth. It is not one person, but be careful what you allow to influence your life. Because there is someone trying to pull you away from this. There is someone that he doesn't want you to be at the ninth anniversary. He doesn't want you to be at the 10th anniversary. There's someone doesn't want you to be here in 12 years. There's someone doesn't want you to be here in one week. His name is the devil. And what's he going to do? He's going to send seducing spirits, outside influences. He's going to send doctrines of devils. He wants you to put something idolatrous before God, something before God. Paul says, I want you to be aware of it. I want you to be aware of it. We see this this morning that Paul says, hey, you are his church fulfilling his purpose, but you're going to face adversity. Satan is going to attack. But Timothy, church at Ephesus, Moses Lake Baptist, let me give you a challenge. And that challenge is I want to call you to a wholehearted commitment. I want to call you to a wholehearted commitment. Verse six, Paul says this, if thou put the brethren In remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore, because of this, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Paul challenges Timothy with this. I want to challenge you to commit, Timothy, to continue. Commit to continue. So many times throughout the word of God and throughout First and Second Timothy, Paul calls Timothy and even Titus in the book of Titus, he calls them to this word, continue. Uh, Second Timothy, Paul says, continue thou in the things. Second Timothy 2, 2, hey, teach others that they may uh, continue also and continue on also. And when you go and you look at this, Paul again, he's just saying, Timothy, I want to give you some warning, but I want to give you some challenge too. I want to challenge you to continue. Very quickly, here's what he challenges him to continue to do. Verse 6, I challenge you to continue to be faithful to preach these truths and be sure that you are nourished and growing in the word yourself. That's what verse 6 says. Grow in the word, Timothy, and teach the word. Verse 7, he says, shun or avoid new doctrine, new theories. Hey, Timothy, things are going to come up that they're a little interesting, a little intriguing, Timothy, avoid them. But I don't want to just tell you to avoid something. You got to fill your life with something. So avoid those new doctrines, but exercise yourself unto godliness. Hey, Timothy, grow close to God. 
Verse six, get in the word, teach the word. Verse seven, refuse uh, those profane wives' fables, new doctrines, stay in the word. Verse eight, uh, Timothy, bodily exercise, it profits little. Thought I'd at least get an amen on that one. Yeah, bodily exercise, profit is little. You know, he's saying, hey, bodily exercise, he says this, it has little effect, but godliness has a lasting effect. Can I help us understand something, though? This is not Timothy, or this is not Paul saying to ignore your body and not take care of it. Whole another message in and of itself, but we're the temple of God. You should take care of it. I'll move on. He says, bodily exercise profiteth a little, but godliness profiteth a lot. It has a lasting effect. It's not enough to just distance ourselves from that which is ungodly. No, we need to draw ourselves to that which is godly. Verse 9 and 10, remember that we are living for and laboring for eternity. Because of our faith in the living God who came and gave his life a ransom for the lost. Paul says in verse 10, hey, because of all of this, we labor. This is why I labor. This is why I suffer reproach. This is why I move forward. We move forward because all of this, Timothy, it's all true. Look at the end of verse number 11. He says this, who is the savior of all men, especially of these, those that believe. Hey, we labor for God. He's the savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Jesus died for every single one, but he died especially for those who believe upon him. Why? Because they received it. So you go through and he says in verse number 11, my challenge then, Timothy, is keep teaching. And keep preaching these things. These things command. The word command, it means to herald forth. We get our word preach. Why is a Moses Lake Baptist Church from, different from other churches? Here's why. One of the reasons. Because we want to unashamedly preach the word of God. Amen. Someone say, Pastor, you get a little crazy sometimes. It's the word Command. It's not me standing up and being a dictator. Bless God, you better do this or else. No, it's me standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord. This is for all of us. Paul says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, preach it. Timothy, every now and then, stand up on a chair. Every now and then, pull out everyone. Use a Kleenex. Every now and then, pull a Dave McCracken. Every now and then, I want, you to, I want you to preach it, Timothy. I want you to command it. Timothy, I want you to stand up and herald forth, thus saith the Lord. And Timothy, don't just preach it, but teach it. That's why our life stage fellowships are so important, why we're just teaching through truth. That's why our Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, boy, I try to, I try to teach while I'm preaching. Why? Because the word of God needs to be learned. It doesn't need to just be told. It needs to be learned. That's what Paul's challenging Timothy to. You say, well, pastor, what's all that mean for us? Let me give you this and we'll be done. I believe there's so much in this passage for us today. Hey, Timothy, hey, church at Ephesus, hey, Moses Lake Baptist Church, stay committed to the truth that you know and keep moving forward. Keep growing in him. Keep preaching his word. Keep standing for truth. All right, pastor, well, here we are. Eight years at Moses Lake Baptist Church. 
What's next? Well, I think we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing. Well, what's that? We're going to wholeheartedly commit to continue. Continue what? Continue to remember that this is his church. This is not about me or you. We have the wonderful opportunity of being indwelled by the living God with his purpose of proclaiming his truth around the world. So what are we going to do? We're going to continue to remember that the devil, he's going to fight us every step of the way. We're going to continue that when you wake up on Monday morning, March 4th, that the devil's going to fight you. You need to remember and continue that when you wake up on March 10th to come to church next Sunday, the devil is going to fight you. And so what are we going to do? We're going to commit to keep growing. We're going to continue and grow in his word. We're going to continue to seek him through prayer. We're going to continue to unashamedly preach and teach the truth that Jesus is the only way. He is the truth and he is the life. Jesus and the salvation is by no other name except the name of Jesus Christ. And that's going to continue as long as I'm alive. Uh, but if, I believe it's the purpose of God that that's going to continue to be the message that is preached from this pulpit every service that Jesus is the only way to heaven. What are we going to continue doing? Well, we're going to continue to reach our community with the forgiveness of Jesus. And we're going to continue to knock doors. And we're going to continue to carry his word to our coworkers and continue to show the love of Jesus Christ to our community through our outreaches. And we're going to continue to encourage people to take the step of baptism. And we're going to continue to grow by worshiping him through godly and biblical music. And we're going to continue to be faithful to his house and faithful to his people. I'm going to continue to serve. We're going to continue to be an usher, continue to be a nursery worker, continue to be a greeter, continue to make snacks, continue to make the coffee. We're going to continue. Why? Because this is his church. I am his person. I am dwelt by the living God. And when I continue, I hold up the truth and I say, I am the pillar. I am the one that bolsters it up and I am the foundation. Oh, I know it's built upon Jesus, but he said, I want to use you as a small little bit of this. And I want to use you to build my church. And so we're going to continue to use our lives to point to him, continue to live out biblical Christianity each and every day. We're going to continue to give to missions so that his gospel can go to India and so that his gospel can go to Fiji and so that God's gospel can go to Thailand and to Papua New Guinea and over to Seattle. We're going to continue to raise our children in the word and teach them to have a desire to press forward for the next generation. We're going to continue to pray for each other. I'm going to continue to pray for our church. Pray for God to help somebody in our church. We're going to continue to pray for the lost. Man, I'm going to continue to encourage believers around me. I'm going to continue to strive and bring Jesus glory. Why? Because for eight years, we've glorified the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he doesn't come and I don't die first, we want to do it for another 80. We want to be responsive to 1 Corinthians 15, 58, where Paul said this to the church of Corinth. Hey, therefore, my beloved brethren, you know what the therefore was there about? He's coming back. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, be unmovable, be always abounding, always growing in what? The work of the Lord. Why? Because as much as you know, your labor, it is not in vain. Can I tell you right now, the last eight years, I've said it, but man, we praise God for what's happened, but the last eight years have not been a walk in the park. 
And I praise the Lord. I haven't been one of these guys that goes to my wife on Monday and like, we need to be done. <laughs> Honey, let's quit. But can I tell you the thoughts crossed my mind before? Yeah. Oh, it's crossed my mind. I've told the story, but I believe it was Christmas of 2012 or maybe 2013. And we were living in the parsonage, and I can still see a little black leather couch that we had. And I was sitting on the leather couch, and it was after uh, a real rough week. The devil had attacked. Man, we had been praying for some things, and opposite was done and been discouraged. And, man, I just kind of been, I'd been through it that, that eight months. It is rough. And I remember sitting there looking at my wife, and I said, Babe, they say that two and a half years is the average life of a pastor at a church. I said, here we are at two and a half years. I understand it. I said, I believe I could pack up right now. And, and I'd look back and say, well, God worked, but I'm done. Can I just tell you that if we had done that, a lot of people wouldn't have been saved. And I, I'm not, I'm, please understand, I'm not saying this today to, to pat a pastor on the back. Please understand that I shared my heart a minute ago. But if I had quit in 2014, some folks in here would still be on our way to hell. Yes. If I had quit in 2013, my three children might not have got saved. Amen. Man, if I had quit in 2016, man, I wouldn't have experienced some amazing growth that took place in my life in 2016 and 2017. If I had quit in 2017, man, we wouldn't have experienced 2018, a growing year. Can I just tell you, if you quit now, you don't know what God has in store for you. Amen. You don't know. You don't know the life-changing power that God wants to work in your life. Yep. You don't know the miracles that God has that he wants to do through you. You don't know the people that God wants to use you to touch. You don't know the lives that God wants to use you to change. You don't know the neighbors that could come to know his, him as Savior. You, you just, you, you don't know. Yeah. So can I, can I command something? <laughs> don't quit. Man, Moses Lake Baptist, it's been eight years, praise God, but don't quit. Don't quit. Paul says to Timothy, I want to give you a word. I'm, Timothy, I'm coming, I'm coming. But if I don't come right now, here's what you need to remember. You are the dwelling place of the living God Amen. with his purpose. Amen. The devil's going to fight that purpose. Amen. We're going to hear more about that fight tonight. The devil's going to fight that purpose. So, Timothy, here's what you can do. Be faithful. Grow, verse 6. Grow, verse 7. Grow, verse 8. Grow, verse 9. Grow, verse 10. Hey, Timothy, you want to keep moving forward? Keep growing. Can I call you, Moses Lake Baptist Church, to that same commitment? Pastor, today, I'm going to wholeheartedly commit to Jesus Christ, I'm going to grow. But maybe you're here today and you can't grow in Jesus because you don't have Jesus. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ came to the earth to live a perfect life, to die for your sin? And he died to prove to you that he loves you and that you can trust him. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're going to have what's called an invitation in a moment. I invite you to come. Someone will take a Bible. They'll show you what God says about eternity. And if you're here today and you need to receive Christ, when we pray, come. We'd love to show you that. But if you're here this morning and you do know Christ as your Savior, 
Will you take Paul's challenge? Wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, God, I commit. If it's eight years, 80 years, or God, if I'm going home in eight days, I commit. Commit to what? Commit that I am the house of the living God with his purpose, fighting the devil, growing towards you, all for the glory of Jesus Christ. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed, and I want to encourage you today to respond to his spirit if he's spoken to you. I'm going to pray, and then let's just make the commitment today. God, I pray that you'd help us this morning to commit to continue. Help us to commit to be wholehearted in following you. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for your love. I pray right now that you'd encourage and strengthen us through the invitation. If there's someone here that does not know you as Savior, I pray that they would come and allow us to show them how they can know they're going to heaven. We love you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.